no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Welcome back to the 40-yard switch. Jasper Woolcock alongside Wilbaku Lukes as always. And uh, the festive season is here. The the Christmas decorations are up. (laughs) They are indeed. We are are surrounded by two Christmas trees, a whole lot of tinsel, fairy lights, and uh, it makes the whole vibe of the living room that much better, doesn't it? It is. It's beautiful. It's a magical time of the year. And lots, and lots of football. Yeah, lots of football, yes. Uh, midweek games for the next uh, few weeks, whether it be Premier League or Champions League or Cup action, so we can't wait for all of that. But in the meantime, we're going to go through not what happened this morning, but just sort of notable stuff from what's happened over the weekend. Um, and the first thing that we'll kick things off with uh, is that following a 5-0 Defeat at the hands of uh, relegation rivals and a fellow newly promoted side, Burnley. Sheffield United have sacked manager Paul Heckingbottom. A uh, bit of a interesting call to be made. I mean, a third of the seasons he has been given some time. Yeah, look, I think, like, like to to be honest, I haven't watched a heap of uh, like heap of Sheffield United, but. I, I do think that, you know, a, a lot of time has passed their rock bottom of the Premier League um, and losing 5-0 to a, to a relegation rival. You know, not like, you know, the top of the table or even like a mid-table side like Burnley have struggled a lot this year. It's not it's it's not a good look. So, I mean, and especially in the context of sort of how managers are treated in, in recent history, like it's not an overly surprising no. decision in itself for him to get fired. But um, the decision on the replacement is, I think, quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, before we touch on the, on the replacement, my, my two cents on the whole thing is that the, the, Paul Hickingbottom had been unlucky with some of the injuries that he'd in, had to endure as manager of Sheffield United. But by the same token, they have the worst defensive record in the league. Uh, the only win they have it was gifted to them by a pretty poor refereeing VR decision against Wolves. Uh, they've just not looked very good. Very easy to beat. Not, um, they had a couple of close games against Man City and Tottenham, but those didn't go their way. And then it's kind of the wheels have fallen off a bit since then. So. I think I think we might have discussed at the at the start of the season as well that they didn't really strengthen a great deal. No. Yeah, and then you've got players who like have evidently never really been Premier League quality in Ollie McBurney, still playing for the, still starting for the club, and then the way, the manner in which he gets sent off against Burnley, just two really stupid yellow cards. Have you seen them? No, I haven't, haven't seen them. First one is, he goes up and just like throws an arm when he goes up for a header. It's just, it's dangerous, so it's a yellow card. Mm. And he does the same thing like five minutes later. Yeah. It's like, you were just told, don't leave with your arm when you jump for the ball and you did it again. Like, And Paul Hickenbottom after the game, he's like, yeah, there's a few players in the dressing room that can know that they've let the team down tonight. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's not much more... So I think, yeah, he's been unlucky for working bottom with some of the situations uh, that he's found himself in. But at the same time, yeah, the, the results were kind of untenable. Yeah. But... Yeah, I think, unfortunately, even if you're... 
you know, you're a manager and in, in, in a position where it is difficult to, to get results. If you don't get the results, then yeah, the, the club kind of has to try something else. Absolutely. Yeah. So that being said, they have brought in a man who has brought results to Sheffield United in the top flight and also got them relegated from the top <laughs> flight. So Chris Wilder is uh, immediately coming in to replace Mr. Hackingbottom. Uh, and yeah, I don't know about that signing. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it it smacks of um, a bit of lack of lack of vision, um, and just yeah, I, like I, like I suppose lack of planning as well. And like it seems like not a great deal of planning went into their season when they didn't strengthen that much in the off season, and now this seems like a bit of a. I don't know. Would you say knee-jerk reaction? To, or yeah, I don't know. Because yeah, it seems as if if they're going to bring him in with that short of a turnaround, that it was pre-planned. Yeah. But if if that was your pre-plan, that's a really poor pre-plan. Yeah. Like, you'd potentially be excused if they needed to quickly get someone in, and there wasn't really a caretaker in place, and they just jumped at Chris Wilder because he was available. But. Yeah, in in the manner of which he's been selected, it makes it seem as if that was their guy. If yeah. things went south for Hickenbottom, which is confusing, I'm not really sure why they would go for that. Because yeah. while he has potentially been successful initially, he has also got them relegated. So it's like, I don't know. Like, I think we we saw the best of Chris Wilder in Sheffield's debut season, and I don't think he's going to quite achieve the same heights. Football is constantly evolving, and Sheffield kind of got left behind in their second season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's worth noting. So, yeah, he joined Sheffield in 2016. He might have gotten promoted from like a couple of leagues on the way to the Premier League, and then that first season in the Premier League was 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 incredible. Finished eighth, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, second season was was relegation. Is that is that right? Yeah, big yeah. second season slump. Yeah. So, yeah, like like. You know, to, to to be fair to him, he does have a like good connection to the club and did do very well in the past. Um, and I think the the other thing that you can sort of make sense of the appointment is, like, I'm not sh- like I definitely know there are a few players um, left over from the the 2021 squad when it, when he left. But you know, he he might still have you know good relationships with the players in the dref- dressing room, so he can hit the ground running. You know, if he's got a different plan to implement. But yeah, I think like you said, like. If in the second season he kind of got found out, like things have moved on even more from then, and I think, yeah. But who knows? Maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll be like his first season in the Premier League again. <laughs> maybe, and they'll and get it, up to eight. And if they if it, I can kind of potentially also see the the vision if because I think they were initially in the Premier League a hard team to beat. Mm. Like I think their downfall was they couldn't really score enough goals yeah in the second season they were still not overly like still pretty tough to beat under him so maybe it's more sort of let's stop leaking goals with a manager like Chris Wilder who can set up defensively quite well and then see if everything else can come but then so like from that perspective I can kind of see it but then I'm like but then I'm thinking but the same issues like I don't see who the, they have up front who is going to bring the goals hmm yeah I'm sure he's made some sort of like you know presentation on the board that like you know to to like to try and fix that, but yeah, it it, it is very difficult to see, um, yeah, where it's all going to be different and yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe yeah. they should get Billy Sharp back as well. Yeah. <laughs> Out of retirement. If he, uh, he's retired. I'm not even I sure. think, yeah, he's retirement or like playing in like the US or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Paul Bottom is the first manager to be sacked uh, this season, which is, I think, compared to last season. I think it's better. It's better, yeah. Because wh- who was it? 12 managers were sacked last season. I think Thomas Tuchel was gone by this point last season as well. Oh, true. Yeah. True. And he wasn't even the first manager sacked, I don't think. Um, so, but that's, uh, my, my point is, he's the first manager to go. Who's your pick for the second manager to go? <laughs> I think you'd have to say Vincent Company. Yeah. Just because I think, you know, they're the, like second bottom, um, before Sheffield. And yeah, even though he got a good re- result against Sheffield, he seems stuck in his ways. Like we kind of mentioned on the pod and yeah, I think if you are stuck in those ways, they're going to continue being found out as they have so far this season. But yeah. Do you, would you say the same? I think or? he's bought himself some time with that massive victory uh, again on the weekend. But yeah, I think most other teams in the league seem to be pretty happy with who they've got mm. appointed. Like Wolves thrilled with Gary O'Neill. Bournemouth, slow start under Iraola and potentially regretting sacking True, Gary O'Neill yeah. a little bit. But things, you know... Uh, two wins and a draw in their last or maybe even three wins and a draw in their last four so things seem to be uh, upturning for them Roy Hodgson I, I, while I don't think he's, he'll last past this season I think he's not going to get sacked anytime soon yeah Marco Silver again pretty safe with Fulham uh, so yeah Vincent Company is the only one I can really I think really see. yeah I think a big thing like it's interesting this season so far is that Every team is just about where you'd expect them to be. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is a bit rare, especially in recent seasons. It's been, you know, people coming up from the championship and doing really well and, you know, obviously some teams really struggling. Um I think the only exception is I think Luton's performances uh, um, have been better than a lot of people expected, but and yet they're, but they're yeah. kind of where you Ever- expect yeah. them to be. I-, I thought Everton would be a tiny bit higher but then the points deduction. Yeah. So yeah. But it's all seemed to gone gone to gone to yeah. plan. But yeah, Vincent Company is probably Next. Burnley are the are the like in terms of our predictions at least the only team that's not quite. Yeah, I thought one. Burnley would be higher. I thought there'd be a surprise package. But anyway, all right, uh, moving on to so last week, for those that listened, you will recall we talked about the four teams chasing the one or potentially two top four or top five spots. Uh, that will be left after uh, the chasing the the leading pack of three chase for the title, um, but, and so but we didn't actually talk about that uh, those three teams in any particular detail. We just mentioned that they were Liverpool, Man City, and Arsenal. So this week we're gonna go through them and just sort of just sort of discuss their title credentials and how uh, and sort of why they have found success and where they have maybe and where they and where they've maybe struggled uh so we'll kick things off with man city and this is why i mentioned where where they may have struggled because obviously man city at the start of the season you would have predicted that they would just you know go like they had a treble winning team and they added jeremy doku and Vardiol, and you're like yep reload boys and go again for number four yeah but it hasn't quite gone to plan. Rodri's, uh, they lost all three games 
in all competitions that Rodri was out, and then they've dropped points uh, in their last three games in a row in the Premier League. True. Which sees them now at, at potentially, or sees them now six points uh, b- below Arsenal, and um, who are in first. And yeah, so obviously they're known for sometimes starting a little bit slowly and coming home strong. But this season, you also wonder about, is there going to be somewhat of a treble hangover? And, you know, just sort of how how long you can sustain this level of success. Mm. So, how, sort of how do you, how, firstly, how have you sort of seen them so far at the start of the season? And do you think there's anything in how, you know, that type of high level being maintained for only so long? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think I think yeah, basically covered. You know, what's happened with like them so far this season pretty well. I think yeah, the, like Rodri not being in is is clearly the biggest story. Um, and I think I mean I I think the only other thing to mention is that they're kind of very strong back ends of the season have been driven by um, Ilkay Gundogan, and I think. We saw when Rodri was out that the players that were brought in to ten- potentially try and replace Gundogan were tried were tried to use as a stopgap. So obviously it's not a very good comparison to make, but I'm just like I I think the absence of Ilkay Gundogan like like could have a bit of a bearing as as this title challenge kind of goes on, like because Nunes Kovacic just don't have the same impact on games and like I don't think they will this season um, but yeah I suppose Kevin De Bruyne has to come back as well so yeah that's the next thing I was going to talk about yeah. is Kevin De Bruyne's return is somewhat imminent I think sometime this month it's pretty it's predicted to be uh, and yeah so he'll for the, for the back end of the season at least he'll even if he doesn't he doesn't return to the new year still for the second half of the season will be huge so I guess what you have to weigh it up is how much does his impact Returning positively impact them, but versus Ilko Gundogan's absence mm. negatively impacting them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 a very hard thing to do, but I, but I do sorry, very hard thing to gauge, but I do think that yeah, Gundogan definitely brings something very different to the to the table. To what to is it? Because it's kind of untenable. Not untenable. It's kind of like hard to define what he brings. Like he's a good player, but like it's not like he scores worldy free kicks or yeah. he you know. He just he just seems to always pop up in the right spots. Yeah, I don't know. It's like it's I don't know. It's not that very scientific, but I feel like he's just kind of like like taking the game on and like I I would say maybe more like like goals like like conversions, but I'm not sure if that's true. He's just got that dog in him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, heard it, you heard it here first. Yeah. But yeah, I I don't know. I, like I think it has been something that they have lent on heavily, and yeah. Is there anything else that's different about them this season that you like? It's weird. I just, they do just feel a little bit more susceptible defensively. Mm, yeah, like conceding three goals at the weekend against Tottenham. That was with Rodri in the side as well. Because who did they play the week before? Liverpool. They drew one all. Yeah, and then the week before that, they drew four all with Chelsea. Yeah. I remember seeing some suspect and Rodri from and, Guardiola. Like yeah. I'm not saying Guardiola wasn't. That it isn't good because he has been good. Guardiola was look did look suspect in the Champions League against Leipzig. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it's weird because 
John Stones has 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 missed a fair bit of time this season due to injury. Right. So okay. I think that has a part to play in it. Yeah. As good as I think Ake, Akanji, Diaz, and Vardiol are, I think the absence of John Stones is showing. And I think mm. not, I'm not going to say John Stones is underrated because he's clearly everyone. I think everyone's well aware he's England's best central defender. Mm. But I think the level of how good he is as a defender and his impact overall defensively has been felt by him not being yeah. there through various injuries. And that, that that new role that he kind of took on, I think it was start, started last season that kind of essentially freed up another midfielder mm. like, with him stepping into that kind of deeper line midfielder role, um, which, you know, probably had a bearing on, on um, the way Ilkay Gundogan like, performed towards the end of last season as well. So, yeah. But yeah, they're, they're just, I don't know. But like... Like the, the, the something seems not right, but it also felt that way at the start of last season. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. everyone's tipping them for a strong finish. Yeah, uh, at, the, at, the, at the moment they probably at the moment they'd probably still be the bookies' favourite to bring it home. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I I I can say I don't know. I'm not convinced. All I want, but it's, it's this rinse and repeat. Same thing that happened last yeah, year. Yeah. So we'll see. All right, on to uh, perhaps the surprise packet uh, this season, but not for me because I predicted they were going to be there. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool have uh, shocked everyone to be second right now, and uh, if they win tomorrow morning, we'll be uh, only two points behind Arsenal yeah. in the table. And yeah, uh, not, I don't think anyone... Would, I think people predicted they'd compete for top four, but I don't think people predicted they'd be this good because a completely revamped midfield... Uh, and no defensive signings. Hmm. Everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people were thinking and saying that defense was suspect last year. You didn't strengthen it. And uh, how often does completely changing the entire personnel of your midfield work out? Like yeah. every every player that started in midfield for Liverpool this season, bar Curtis Jones, hasn't was not at the club last season. So. Incredibly hard to do to gel that quickly, but somehow the Klopp has worked another wonder, and that midfield is flourishing, which is allowing the attack to get back to its potent best. I think it's uh, one of the best attacks in the competition, if not the best attack in the competition. Uh, and and uh, potentially by extension, the defense has also not looked that bad. Mm. Not still hasn't looked amazing, but not that bad. Serviceable. Yeah, yeah I think. Definitely, like Klopp's adapt, like done a very, very good job to to adapt to a different style of play, and like I think it's been spoken about that like they they're kind of like attacking from a more central position um, this year to kind of like like accommodate the the extra numbers they have in there with Trent coming in, but I think yeah it's it's also been at the expense of conceding more attacks because like when you lose the ball centrally you're going to be more susceptible to that, mm. so. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they they have been definitely one of the best at attacking forces, but also still have one of the more leaky defenses. I'm not sure if it's like the worst defense, but they're, they're definitely suffering from that as well. Like, yeah, c conceding three goals against Fulham. Yeah. I think I'm going to shock you here. They have an equal league best defense. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Tied with Newcastle and Arsenal. <laughs> so yeah, the stat I heard. But they haven't was... played. That's with, uh, like uh, that. And to be fair, that's 
Um, with a game like Arsenal, with a game less played than Arsenal, so if they concede some goals tomorrow, they won't. But wait, so worst defense in terms of goals conceded? No, best defense in terms of goals. Yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. yeah they've uh, they've conceded fourteen, which is the equal least uh, alongside Newcastle and Arsenal. Yeah, the stat I heard is they've conceded the second most or been subject to the second most of direct attacks. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, I suppose that means that the defense is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they've or... been been copying attacks and yeah. 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 It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it doesn't feel like they've had an equal, a league, equal best defense mm. watching their games. Yeah. Um. And yeah, Trent has like, almost as like it was talked about towards the end of last season he was stepping into midfielders from like an inverted right back perspective he's also almost been playing as a sort of a pseudo right back yeah this season it's even more emphasis on on him stepping into midfield i think the goal he scored to win the game against fulham on the weekend he was he was popped up on the on the left side of the box yeah i how, think how a right back ends up there is i don't know i think he had been moved into Midfield, for, yeah. For, for, I think oh, they brought right. on like Joe Gomez, Gomez yeah. yeah, and he actually moved into midfield. But yeah, he's been playing incredibly. Yeah. Uh, my preseason pick for him to win Player of the Season, Liverpool win, to win the title, looking a lot less crazy now. Incredible foresight. Um, but yeah, I guess the biggest question, and I guess a, a big thing, sorry, that um, has helped to keeping all the whole, entire defense fit has been the Europa League and the emergence of uh, Gerald Kwanzaa. He's a 20 year old centre back who's played a couple of games in the league for Liverpool, but a lot of cup competition for Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they didn't sign a centre back, so all they had was Gomez, but he's sort of been subbing in for Trinidad's right back, Van Dyke, Martip, and Canate. Yeah. And this 20 year old Gerald Kwanza has played seven or eight games this season and looked really good, almost like a young Virgil Van Dyke. True. Um, so yeah, and it's and also the ability of having someone like Cam and Kelleher. In the side and just be able to play it a, obviously a, a, in the Europa League group where the level is just clearly a level below what that team is capable of. Yeah. So Jurgen Klopp's been able to rotate heavily. So mm-hmm. Liverpool, outside of Andy Robertson's injury, have been relatively good on the injury front. Yeah. So I think that's played a big part too. But yeah, it's just the biggest thing for me is just will they be able to sustain it? Mm. Do you do you feel like they're as susceptible to injuries this season as they because that's obviously been the big thing. Mm. I think they will be once the Champions League teams drop into the Europa League and the fixtures get a bit harder and Jurgen Klopp can't just, you know, play six different players on a Wednesday than that he does on a mm. on a on a weekend. Yeah. But for now like it seems to be working. Yeah. But it it does seem like they have like they do have some depth though as yeah. well. Yeah, and the, and when Trent did go down for a, for about two three weeks, they did. Like, there was the drop off in offensive output, but they did still play pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I think obviously Shobasli has been incredible. Yeah, probably one of the best signings of the season. Yeah. Um. And yeah. but also McAllister playing like, like reinventing himself as a deep lying playmaker, like a six, has yeah. been really nice to watch. Mm. And the emergence and emergence of Gravenberg, him and him rotating with Curtis Jones, and even Watara Endo is impact off the bench. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just it's just masterful coaching from Jurgen Klopp yet again. Which yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. And and to go through, you know, he revamped the whole midfield. He also missed out on two targets that you know he was obviously interested in in. Um, Lavia and Caicedo. Yeah, Lavia and Caicedo, and then still has developed a midfield that is performing. You know, at 
like one of the best in the Premier League easily. So yeah, and like everyone que- has questioned how McAllister would play against uh, as a deep playing six against better teams. Well, they conceded one against Man City, so mm. it's not much bigger test than that. Yeah, and he seemed to pass that. I, I think the bit the big thing for me now, if these two teams can continue to play well over the next two weeks, and they and remain first and second will be Arsenal versus Liverpool at Anfield on December 23rd. Yeah. That will be a game. <laughs> I think, yeah, that, that'll be again. I mean, like you think about some of the big, you know, that Arsenal-Man City game kind of late in the season last year. Like, that'll be another big test of, you know, really Arsenal's t- like title. Kind of both, though, I feel like. Yeah. Because Liverpool's, Liverpool's new title credentials after they were sort of fell off the past few years. I just feel that, I don't know, at least in my head, it's it's more of a test of Arsenal. Just because... Liverpool have been there before. Yeah, they've been there recently. Klopp's still the coach. There's still pieces of, you know, Van Dijk, Mo Salah, Alisson, Trent. You know, pieces of that side... And like key leaders in the side who have done it before and got the team over the line, where mm. Arsenal still, you know, in those big games with the with the young side, they still haven't quite just got that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I no, I would agree, and I also think that the key pieces and, and Klopp as well, but I just think that there's just sort of like an aura around Liverpool that mm. like like start something like a title charge or a trophy or a, or a big game in a trophy doesn't won't really phase them because they've been to three Champions League finals. Mm. They've won the league all in the space of the last space of the last four five years. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, there's less to prove. Yeah. Yeah. And especially because Arsenal have had those tests in recent memory and kind of didn't, didn't Faltered, work yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, I think the last thing I want to say about Liverpool before we move on is, um, in terms of their attack, obviously it's one of the best attacks in in the league. I'm just going to double check my facts on this. It Turns is, out it's the worst attack. In the no, league. no, it's uh, <laughs> it is the third best attack in the league, behind equal with yeah, behind equal with Newcastle, behind Man City, and Arsenal and Aston Villa. So, yeah, uh, and I think in terms of like. Chance creation, it's one of the, it's far and away the best. It's just conversion hasn't been as good. But I think also a, a, a really interesting thing about how Liverpool's attack has worked this season has been because obviously over the years it's been very Mane and Salah centric, and then it was very Mo Salah centric. This season Mo Salah's playing very well and has lots of goal involvements. But I think that the scoring load has been shared around quite well. Mm. I think that almost makes them harder to play against because you don't really you can't afford. Mo Salah that extra attention because there's threats from Darwin Nunes, Luis Diaz, Diego Jota, Trent himself, Dominic Schobberslai, he can hit a ball as well. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch as Liverpool progress this season. Yeah. Yeah, the goal scoring for midfield as well. Mm. I mean, it was on display against Fulham and Schobberslai's done it quite a few times. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Very good. All right, last but not least uh, is Arsenal, who... Top of the league. Yeah, top of the league. <laughs> After a whirlwind result this morning against uh, Luton Town. Uh, from 3-2 down to 3-all to 97th minute winner from Declan Rice to win 4-3. Uh, we, yeah, we sit five points clear at the top of the table, albeit with games in hand for Liverpool and Man City. And yeah, we're sort of back to where we were last season, despite everyone saying we look worse than last season, which is interesting. 
Mm. Um, but what the stats tell you is that our defense is better than last season. Our attack has not really been as good as last season, but then again, statistically, it's the third best attack in the league. So I don't really know. Again, it, I'm still not really sure how to feel about how we're playing, except for the fact that we're top of our Champions League group and top of the league, so you can't really complain. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know what it is either. I think... Oh, that, 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 I, I, I think it comes back to what we were just talking about then. It's like, I think it's still not really taken as seriously as Man City and Liverpool because of because of recent memory. Mm. I think it does come back to that a little bit. And there's also been the speak of whether... You know they're a little bit less exciting to watch this season because they've kind of done better on their kind of defensive like side of the game. You know they're less of a shock this season, so there's less like excitement around it. But yeah, yeah. And then there's obviously the distractions like the uh, Aaron Ramsdale David Raya situation. Mm. We heard the stat today where which, whereas they are the uh, first in uh, points scored and also uh, errors leading to goals. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tale, of, tale of both ends of the pitch. Um, and then obviously the sort of initial people were making a lot more noise than was probably warranted over the lack of gelling Kai Havertz into the team. Yeah. He now seems to be kicking on a little bit. Mm. Um, he looked since, excellent Since the international morning. break, yeah, he's got three, three goals in four games. He looked really good this morning. Mm. Um, so I think that the offensive side of the game is starting to take, take shape a little bit. But yeah, again, the biggest thing will be, can we maintain it once we start facing better teams in Europe? Uh, and can we, again, not bottle it at the end of the season? And can we keep everyone fit? Because Saliba's injury is what is what began the derailing process. It's not wasn't the the, the be all and end all, but it was it was the it was the the the, the beginning of the snowball. Yeah, if you will. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, the, I mean, the offensive output obviously starting to gel, like you mentioned. The defensive side of the game, bar the keeper, looks very good with the with the addition of Declan Rice, who's also contributing upfield. But yeah, the the keeper situation is just overshadowing everything, um, despite you guys obviously being in a good position in both. It's just in so, both the main competitions. Yeah, it's so weird. Uh, when's the last time you've heard of a team that is first in the league? And performing very well in the Champions League, but has such chaos at, at goalkeeper. Yeah, like it's unheard of. Yeah, like like any team that does well this this deep this long into a season and is doing as well as we're doing in the Champions League, albeit only the group stage, is usually just got a nailed on number one starter who's playing well. Yeah, but we've got two goalkeepers who neither of them are playing really well. What What do you think is the best route out of? Because I think it will. I think it will sort out before the end of the season and there will be a keeper who's playing well. But what do you think's the the fastest route to get there? Is it sticking with Raya at this point or is it reintegrating Aaron Ramsdale? I uh, like regardless of what you think Arteta will do. Yeah, I I I personally do think like well, obviously the whole notion of Arteta rotating keepers is, is out the window that's not was just was just was just words. But that being said, I do think Aaron Ramsdale deserves to have some games or David Raya deserves to have a bit of time on the sidelines. Just so David Raya... Because like, like, obviously, if you keep making these errors and keep getting picked, at some point, it's like the goalkeeper has an idea in their head that they're untouchable. Yeah. And you can't have that because that doesn't foster healthy competition and, and you know in the, in, the, in the training pitch and in the goalkeeper's group. 
So I do think at some point Aaron Ramsdale, if David Raya's performances don't uh, have an uptick, that Ramsdale should come back in and come back in for not just one game because obviously he played a few weeks ago when uh, David Raya was uh, uh, playing against his lonely club. Oh, true. That's why he played, didn't. That's why he didn't play against Brentford. Right. Okay. True. Um. So, but I should. Uh, yeah, I think Darren, Aaron Ramsdale needs to come and ha- come in and have a run of at least three games in the Premier League, mm. where David Raya doesn't play, and and then you can sort of just. Yeah, because because it looks like regardless of from all reports from Fabrizio Romano, regardless of how everything pans out for the rest of the season Arsenal are going to trigger that extra 27 million for Gavard Rare as a goalkeeper mm. so that must mean that we're you know there's not a certain amount of games that Rare has to play for us to trigger that so Ramsdale and if and if, if we're going to get the most out of, out of Ramsdale that we can we need to get him back in the side and playing with comp, back, back playing to a level where he's got confidence so yeah. Yeah, and also he's just a good goalkeeper. Like, it can't hurt to have him play some games. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't, it, I don't know. I think... It's interesting because you, you're on, the, on the, the team you follow is on the opposite end of the spectrum. You've had absolutely no goalkeeping problems issues, for the yeah. past of, like, five years. Yeah. In fact, he saved us more often than not. Yeah. The punt. But, uh... <laughs> Sorry, what was I going to say? I think, yeah, I think what people predicted, a lot of people were saying, you know, you don't have two first goalkeepers. You keep what, one person in there and you stick with them and, like, you sort of remain confident. Um, and and having them in the team and sticking with them, you, they can build up that confidence again. So by, like, creating that choice, he's kind of put himself in, in an impossible position where, like, you either rotate and hurt that other um, keeper's confidence and then the the one coming in is low on confidence well because he hasn't been playing so I think what a lot of people predicted has happened and I would say the other thing is it must be awkward in the dressing room as well like for you know because of Ramsdale he you know he was obviously a leader in like the dressing room and probably liked by everyone so they wouldn't like seeing that happen to him and then it's the case of you know there's a player who isn't playing well and you know they're kind of not getting dropped as well Hmm. I don't know. He's like looking back on it now, and I think a lot of people said this anyway. But he has really created a big problem for himself with this. Arteta. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I do think, yeah, he's put himself in a hard position where he does one thing, it hurts him. Does the other thing, it hurts him. Yeah. But I also do think at, at at some point in the season, it's gone long enough that you can be like, okay, right, it's had an extended run now. Now it's okay to bring Ramsdale in. I think initially it wasn't because it's like, oh, you just flip flop back after five, six games. Mm. But, you know, Raya's had 10 plus games, 10 games in the league and a few more games in the Champions League. So I think you've seen enough now where you can bring Ramsdale back in because like, as much as it is, it's like, a, and it's hard because you could say it's not hurting the team really because we're top of the league. But at some point, if the errors persist, it will hurt hurt the team. Yeah, yeah. Like if we lost to Luton tonight, that's you mm. know. But I guess we didn't, so it's it's kind of hard to you know say things need to change when things results wise are working. But it's also you know it's going to be a close season, and that you know there might be a goal difference equation at the end of it. Like yeah, yeah. 
like conceding you know two goals from goalkeeping errors like they did this morning mm. it's pretty but it's just interesting because again Arsenal have the equal best defence in the league so yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Liverpool and Liverpool and Arsenal are very confusing teams. Yeah, defensively. Anyway, but I think, yeah, I think Arsenal will, you know, get closer if not win, like win at this season. I, I, it like even with the goalkeeper thing, there's definitely a belief sort of. Like I reckon, just the belief has just been building. So yeah, if to finish, if we revisit our. Preseason predictions where I picked Liverpool to win the league, and I'm pretty sure you picked Arsenal. Did I? I think so. Yeah. Or did you pick Man City? I can't. I'm pretty sure you picked Arsenal. I'm almost certain you picked Arsenal. I feel like I did. Um, how are we how are we feeling just over a third of the way into the season without without picks? Well, assuming that I picked Arsenal, I'll stick with it. <laughs> yeah, assuming and assuming and knowing I picked Liverpool, I, I'm gonna stick with that too. You're gonna stick with it. Yeah. I just I trust Liverpool more in the back end of a season. To that being said, I I do think that Liverpool won't beat us at Anfield in two weeks, barring any major injuries. But I just do think some oh, of that. You think Arsenal will beat Liverpool at Anfield? No, I think we'll get at least a draw. Okay. Maybe the I don't think we'll lose. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I do think that long run Arsenal if they go slightly deeper in the Champions League league form will suffer at some point Liverpool's won't suffer as much playing in the Europa League um, and yeah I'm, I'm sticking with Liverpool to win the league I think it'll be very close though like I, I think all th- I think we, we could finally see a, a league season where like three teams are within five points of each other at the end of the season yeah which, yeah, which would be, be sick yeah I, I, I don't know I think I just get the feeling that they're building, like Arsenal are building into the season this year as mm. opposed to hitting the ground running and sort of fading a little bit. Um, yeah, because I think there's also a, 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 thought, a, a thought to be had about if City starting slow and finishing strong, Arsenal have the potential to do the same. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They could just gel more. The goalkeeper thing can sort itself out mm. and then they'd be flying. And yeah, I don't know. Like it could be the case that you know Liverpool, Arsenal go deep in a more difficult European competition, or it could be the case that they go out after the group stage and then yeah, and then Liverpool go deep in the Europa League and have to think about that. So yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna stick with Arsenal. Mm. But also Liverpool have shown three times that they can uh, make a Champions League final and still perform in the league. Yeah. So and play at twelve thirty every Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so with that, we're going to wrap it up. Um, and yes, if you've made it this far, uh, once again, and if you're new around here, follow us uh, uh, on Spotify, uh, The 40 Yard Switch. Leave us a five-star rating if you could be so kind. Follow us on all our socials. It's when we post an episode, you'll see an Instagram story from us, uh, 40yardswitch.pod. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week sometime uh, with more Christmas cheer. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Most wonderful time of the year.